Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Uh, we have a video of our... Um Bridge the app campaign. So we are, uh, if you went into the kids' building, it looks a little different. And if you didn't, you get to see it here in our video. But Pastor Neil is out today, so we have a video from him and uh, we, y'all, in uh, the Bridge the Gap campaign about that, an update about that. So. Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well today. And I want to give you a quick update on our Bridge the Gap capital campaign and the building project. And so if you've come in today and you had kids, you probably noticed some things are different in the kids' building. We have a fresh coat of paint in there. We've also moved around the offices. So there's temporary offices in there until we get the new build built. And we have also moved some AC units around and did some other things that you may not see when you walk in. So here's some things that you can pray about. Number one, we need favor. We need favor with the city as we go to draw these permits and that we turn in our site plan that they say it's good. That we don't have to do a lot of extra groundwork. Um, to make this thing happen. And so thank you for your prayers for that. Thank you for prayers for the for the site plan and favor with the city. Also, we need prayer for the finances. You guys have stepped up big time. When we did this Bridge, Bridge the Gap capital campaign, we took pledges. You all stepped up and said, I will be that. I will be a bridger of the gap. I will be the one to step in and to make this thing happen. And so many of you have in a big way. So everybody pledged together for this year, 72000 $540. And so far this year, we've already brought in $10,500. Now we started this in March. So thank you guys for your generosity. Thank you guys for your faithfulness. You know, this thing will happen because all of us together are making a difference and you're making a difference by bridging the gap. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. You're making a difference by bridging the gap. Yay. I'm excited about that because we get a youth room, so that's the, my most exciting thing about the Bridge the Gap campaign is we will get a youth room. And so I'm being the youth pastor here, that's pretty exciting. It's kind of a big deal. Um, and, but if you don't know about the Bridge the Gap campaign, there is um, a table out there that has some kind of the specs that we're hoping to be able to do with this building project, and there's a, um, a mission project with that as well that you can take home uh, if, you, if you're wanting to know more about that. Um, but today I get to speak. It is, uh, Neil asked me, originally this was supposed to be a, like a senior Sunday sort of thing, but then we were like, oh, it's Memorial Day weekend, like there's not going to be anybody here, so let's just, you know, push that back. Um, so I did have kind of a senior Sunday message planned, but I, I feel like it's for everybody, so um, I'll just speak to my one senior that did show up. Woo! Yes! Uh, I told him, I was like, I, I told him, I was like, I'm speaking today, you should come. And he said, I will. And so, yay. Uh, and so, uh, this, but this weekend's been, or this week's been kind of crazy. 
And I know for a lot of people, it probably has been pretty crazy for y'all too. Uh, a lot of graduations, graduation parties, a lot of just end of school year stuff. And so I uh, thank y'all for being here. I really do appreciate it. And um, I think, you know, we're, we're going to get through this weekend together and it's going to be awesome. Um, but so one thing that I wanted to talk about for this message was that um, it's, it's a message that is just something that I realized when, when uh, the youth group had actually gone through um, some lessons together. We did uh, stories of the Bible, right? Stories of the Bible, like the ones we did at, in kids' church. Uh, but we kind of asked each story specific questions. And so we went through the, the Old Testament stories, and we asked each story these questions. Uh, what does the story teach us about God? What does the story teach us about humans? What does or would culture think or say about this story? And where is Jesus in this story? And it was always funny because whenever asked, where is Jesus in this story? Everybody was like, he's not there yet. He's not alive yet. Like every time, like they would like scream and be like, in outer space. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's what they always said. <laughs> so we always get to that point And I was like, okay, well, I guess we're learning something today. Um, <laughs> but... Um, so, but each time we did this, I was like, oh, wow, like there's so many times the same answer comes up about God, right? Because each story kind of tells us the same things about God because he, he's showing us who he is through these stories. And so the message that I was like super excited about preaching was this. Uh, time after time in the Bible, we see people in hard and difficult situations that look so bleak there isn't a way out. And time after time, we see God make a way for them. And yes, and that doesn't sound like a senior Sunday graduation thing. But the thing is, you're going to be going into like real, the real world, and the real world is hard. Um, sometimes it's harder than high school. <laughs> and so, so like I think you know this is a good message because you realize, okay, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be times when it's difficult, and I'm going to be feeling like, where is God right now? Uh, but every time, God's like, hey, look, I've made a way. And so I think that's, that's my senior Sunday spiel, even though it's not senior, senior Sunday. But I, and we're going to talk today about uh, the story of Abraham and Sarah. And I think we can kind of see this pretty well in this story. And you could pretty much look at any story in the Bible and see this theme, uh, because it's just that big of a theme in the Bible. But we're going to look at Abraham and Sarah. And I saw to, uh, this week, I saw a, a tweet meme, and it said, some of you know more about Amber and Johnny than you do about Abraham and Sarah. I don't know if y'all are following the, Abra the Amber and Johnny uh, thing, uh, but I don't know what happened with it. I don't know if there's anything with that. But some of y'all might know more about that than you do about the, where your faith came from, right? Uh, and so I was like, ooh, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we're going to talk about, I'm going to just kind of sum up the story of Abraham and Sarah. And so uh, first God calls Abram, because first his name was Abram. And so God calls Abram to go to Canaan. He's like, hey, there's a land for you. I'm going to show you the way. You don't know the way yet, but you're going to go anyway. And then through that, God promises Abram a son and many descendants. And so at this point, Abram's like 70. And he's like, I don't have any sons yet, so how's this going to happen, God? And so this is, this is Abraham talking to God, Abram and God. In Genesis 15, 2 through 5, it says, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? 
since you've given me no children, see he blamed God for that, um, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, still blaming God, so one of my descendants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And, that's, and so that was the first time God says, hey, you're going to have more descendants than you can count. And then after that, Sarai and Abraham, they like think, oh, well, how is this going to happen? Like, that doesn't make any sense. We're all old. This isn't going to work. So let's try to give you somebody else to have kids with. And so they kind of take matters into their own hands and try to figure out things their own way because we're humans. They're humans. We try to do things our own way a lot. And so in Genesis 16, 1 through 3, we see this happen. So now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had no Egyptian servant, or she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And so after this, things don't go well, because when we try to do things our own way, they don't generally. And so uh, Hagar, like Sarah gets really jealous of Hagar, and then Hagar's being mistreated, and so she runs away, because she does become pregnant, and so she runs away, she's like, this is really a bummer, and like she, and then God meets her there, right? She's in her pit, and then God meets her there. And then she goes back, because God told her to, and then Ishmael is born, her son, and then God tells Abraham he will have a kid with Sarai, even though he is 99. So God comes back and is like, hey, you're still going to have this kid. I know you're 99, but you're going to have a kid. And that's, at that point, he renames them Abraham and Sarah. And then in Genesis 17, 19, uh, he reiterates the promise of many descendants. And it says, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. And then Isaac is born. So you know, that's the story generally. There's lots more, um, but that's the part we're going to talk about today. Um, and so our first question was, what do we learn about God? Um, and you're going to see this every time you might ask this question too. So the reason we did these questions over and over was so that they remembered, like if they were to open their Bible today, they could be like, what did I learn about God? What do I know about humans? What would culture say about this? And where's Jesus in this story? So they can just know how to study their Bible. That's why we kept doing it over and over. So hopefully they took that away. Um, but if you do this, you're going to get the same answers over and over if you ask, what do I learn about God? Because just show so many times who God is in these stories. And so the big thing that we learn about God is that he's able to make a way when it seems like there is no way. So to Abraham and Sarah, the thought of having a child in their old age was actually humorous. So we learned that Sarah hears this and like laughs because he, because God is like telling them they're going to have a kid. And she's like, Psh. That ain't happening. Uh, and she thinks that's hilarious. Um, because sometimes we deal with our pain with humor, right? Um, she was probably doing that. She was probably like, you're telling me now this, and I'm just going to laugh at that even though I really just want to cry. Um, and so, so that's probably what she was doing there. Um, 
But God was faithful to do what he had promised. And even when it was, it was impossible, God made it happen. So God does the impossible things. And so every time we ask these questions, right, uh, God, like who God is, if we like come to the story and we decide, oh, God is a mean, awful God, like we're probably not reading that story right. We're probably not looking at that story right. And so it's important that when we come up with, okay, this is who God is, according to this scripture, that we also base it off of other scriptures. And so Isaiah 43, 16 and 19 shows us, even then it says he is the way maker. So we can trust that it is true. And so it says this, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so we can see just in this scripture, God makes ways when it looks like there's no ways. And then we also learn a few other things about God, but we're going to stick to this one point. We see that God sees you in your pain. Um, God keeps his promises. Those are some great things that we can also take out of this uh, story. And then we ask, what do we learn about humans in this story? <laughs> um, so usually we can always just look at our human lives and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yes, that, that matches what I do often. Uh, and so one of the things that we learn is when we try to do things our way, it hurts ourselves and others. Um, and so Brian and I have been doing uh, some studying the Bible together and uh, reading the Bible through. And one of the ways we did that was through the Bible recap. And it's uh, by this lady named Tara Lee Cobble. Definitely look her up. It's amazing. But she always, she puts it this way. We never sin in a vacuum. Um, our sins are always going to hurt somebody else, not just ourselves. Like, they're going to hurt somebody else. Uh, we never sin in a vacuum. Whatever you do, you may think, oh, it's just hurting me, but it's not. It's hurting somebody else. Um, and so she puts it that way, and I think that's a great way of thinking of it, right? When we do something wrong, when we do things the way we want to do it, it's going to hurt ourselves, but it's going to hurt other people too. And when Abram and Sarah tried to have this, this promise happen on their own, when they had uh, Hagar sleep with and Abraham sleep together, like that was, it messed with, the, like there was jealousy and pain and it hurt. And it didn't just hurt Abram and Sarai, it hurt Hagar and there was a lot of pain there. And so sometimes we try, we try to get out of our pits without God's help. And when we do that, we hurt ourselves and we hurt other people um, in the process. And so that was one thing that we can learn about humans through this story. And then another thing, and I think this is, this is the, the hope here, is that even when we try to do things the wrong way, because we will, uh, God can still use it for good. Um, he still was able to make that promise happen, and he didn't say, like, oh, you didn't listen to me, so I'm not going to do this for you. Like, no, he was like, I made this promise, I'm still doing it, even though you messed up a little bit, right? Um, and so... Uh, I think we read in Romans 8.28, we kind of get the idea of um, how he works things for our purpose. And it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to, the, to his purpose for them. And so uh, God uses bad things in our lives and turns them into good because that's one of the things that he does. And that's part of the way he makes a way. Um, and then we ask, what does culture say or think about this story? And the reason I make them ask this question is because sometimes we get stuck in our 
Jesus bubble. We get stuck, stuck in our church bubble and say, you know, everybody knows about Abraham and Sarah, or everybody is, you know, might know the story, or at least kind of has an idea about it. But in reality, like, our culture doesn't know our stories, and we shouldn't expect them to. Uh, and also, it helps us to kind of just better understand, like, if we're going to talk to somebody about Jesus, like, what are they thinking, right? Um, and so, one of the biggest things, and we kind of talked about, Justin kind of mentioned this, is God can't be good if he allows bad things to happen to us. Like, that's one of the biggest things culture might say to you when they think, oh, you say your God is good? Uh, well, look at this, right? Um, and so, that's kind of what happens. Culture might think, even in Abraham and Sarah's situation, like, well, you know, you see Abraham even thought, well, God, you didn't let me have kids. You know, he was blaming that on God. Um, and so uh, we like to blame God for our suffering. We like to, um, one of the big things is we just blame God for our suffering. When in reality, a lot of times it's because of something we did, something somebody else has done, or something mixed together, or even something because of sin in general. So a lot of times, so sometimes we are going through this, or your pain or your pit, because of something someone has done to you. And so we see this in the case of Job. Um, so I'm going to kind of reference a few Bible um, stories. But we see this in the case of Job. Job had done nothing wrong, uh, but the devil still attacked him. Uh, he was going through extremely hard times because of an outside source that was out of his control, right? Uh, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes we go through rough stuff because of things that are out of our control and because of something somebody else has done to us. And we also see this in the case of um, Tamar, uh, Judah and Tamar and Beth Bathsheba, right? Both women were taken advantage of, and it was other people's sins that land, landed them in their pits. Um, so it was other people who were not willing to do the right thing that caused them to have so much pain. Um, and so that's one reason. And then sometimes we, what we go through and the pain that we go through is because of something we have done. And so it might be our fault. Like maybe we did something and we have to deal with the consequences of those sins. And so uh, we see this uh, in the story of Abraham and Sarah, right, uh, when they tried to get God's promise through their own means. And uh, then we also see this in the story of Jacob. And so Jacob swindled and lied in order to get things he wanted. And because of his actions, he had to flee from his brother out of fear that his brother might kill him. So if that's not a pit, I don't know what is, right? If you think your brother's about to kill you, uh, that's, that's a pit, if, I, if I've ever seen one. Um, and so, but he, he did that to himself a lot. Like, he, he was the one who did uh, some really dumb stuff that caused his brother to hate him. Um, and then we also see this in King David's uh, situation with Bathsheba. Uh, David's actions actually led to the death of his firstborn son. And so that's, that's a pit right there. Um, and it was because of something that he had done and he had sinned. And then sometimes it's a combination of other people and ourselves, right? Sometimes it's not just somebody out there or not just something inside, but it's, it's kind of both of us uh, doing something that we shouldn't have done. And so we kind of see that in the case of Joseph. So Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers so that's a literal pit. And, um, and so his, his brothers put him in that pit. But he, I mean, like, he had, like, been like, I'm going to rule over y'all. I mean, how many of y'all want your younger sibling to say, hey, I'm going to rule over you and, like, keep flaunting it in your face? Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, if, you know, that's not something that your brothers want to hear, probably. So, I mean, not that his brothers should have done that. But I'm saying he kind of 
instigated it a little, okay? Um, and so sometimes we put ourselves and we do things that cause other people to do things they shouldn't do, right? Um, so it's kind of a situation of both and. And then sometimes, and this is a lot of times, it's just the consequence of worldly sin and just a consequence of the fact that we are a fallen people that are sinful and uh, that's where we started when Adam and Eve sinned, right? So that's just kind of the consequence of that a lot of times. And so that was kind of Abraham and Sarah's situation with not being able to have children. Like they blamed it on God, but in reality they weren't able to have children just because our world is sinful, it's fallen, we, it, it's not perfect. And then again we see this uh, with Ruth and Naomi. And so Ruth and Naomi lost their husband and, husbands and sons, and so like they were like just like back then if you didn't have a husband or a son you were what could you do? You couldn't do anything. And so they lost that, and it was, they were in a pit because of death, right? And like they didn't do that, but it still happened to them because of the fall and because of sin. And so, um, so those are the reasons sometimes we do find ourselves in pits. Um, and then the last question is, where is Jesus in this story? And so... Um, I like this because, yeah, the youth always said, you know, outer space, not there. Like, they always said, like, you know, like, this is the Old Testament, Jesus isn't there. Like, pretty much, right? That's kind of their idea. Jesus isn't there because this is the Old Testament. And it's kind of funny because I have a really good, or a pretty good friend. She used to be my neighbor who um, is Jewish. And so she uh, believes in the Old Testament to an extent. And um, she's always like, y'all Christians, y'all like the New Testament. Y'all don't care about the Old Testament. Like, that's what she told me. She's like, y'all don't like the Old Testament. Like, y'all are New Testament people. And I'm like, no, I love the Old Testament. Like, like it's part of our story too, right? And she's like, no, because <laughs> she gets mad. She's like, no, that's my story. Um, because her sister, <laughs> she does, she did say that. But her sister um, is a Christian now, and her sister had like thrown a Passover party kind of thing, like had like celebrated Passover with her family. And my friend Tamar, she was like, um, that's mine, not yours. And I'm like, no, but the Passover points to Jesus. Like, you know, I'm like, no, like it is ours and it's yours, but like it should be both of ours, right? Like I want her to see Jesus in this. Um, <laughs> so it was just funny, like I want that. Um, but so we ask this question, where is Jesus in this story? Because it, every story points to Jesus. And everything that we learn about God is also Jesus. So remember the first thing that we learned was who is God? What do we learn in this story about God? It's that he makes a way, right? And Jesus was the ultimate way. Because first there was sin and death and that caused this eternal pit where we were separated from God and so there's this eternal pit that we had to deal with, and we weren't dealing with it well. Um, first, it was the law that kind of like was supposed to maybe kind of band-aid it. We were supposed to like do these things and sacrifice the animals, and that didn't work very well. God was like, okay, that's not gonna work, but I'm pointing to something else. And um, so Jesus was the ultimate way when there was no way, right? There was no way to be with God, and yet Jesus came so that we could be with God. And that's, I mean, like, that's the thing, is that Jesus was the way. Um, and so we kind of see this in Romans 8.28. Remember, I had quote, or talked about Romans 8.28, how uh, we use that scripture a lot. And we use the uh, God works together for the good of those who love God, right? We, we, I've, have you all heard that scripture before? Okay. 
Um, it's kind of a common, a common like even like you know we Jeremiah twenty nine eleven same idea. We use those for our seniors, right? We like you know God's going to do great things through you, and yet uh, a lot of times those people are like I hate my life right now because life is hard, and uh, we all feel that sometimes. And so like kind of like throwing that scripture out is hard for people because it sounds like a good thing, but it's like but I'm going through bad things, so how is this how is this true, right? And so. Um, a lot of times, I kind of go back to the culture thing, a lot of times our culture says, you know, things are supposed to end up well and good. And like, but sometimes it doesn't. Like, I mean, look at the, like a lot of the disciples, they died because they loved the Lord. <laughs> like, and be, like that was the reason they were killed. And so like from our standpoint, that doesn't look good. Like the culture would definitely disagree that that was a good ending for them, right? Um, and so uh, they died in that, you know, worldly pit, kind of, but they were resurrected, and get, like, after they died, they were with Jesus, and so they were like, this is amazing. They had that hope that they could be with Jesus, and so I'm going to read the part, uh, kind of some parts of Romans 8 that kind of get us to, he works together for the good of those who love God, Okay. So because it kind of sets us up because before it's like, oh, yeah, good things are going to happen to me. And then it sets us up because there's, there's some important things we missed before that. Okay, so the law of God, of Moses, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. So he made a way. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we, ha we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Yet, what we suffer now, so suffering, right? What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So there's going to be suffering. That's what Paul is saying. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation will sub be, was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Freedom from death and decay because of Jesus, our hope. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Sin and suffering, it's going to happen. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. And then, not too long after that, I kind of go a little bit over, but we get the idea, right? Suffering is going to happen. Paul went through it. Um, and then it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And so it works out good, but sometimes it works out good after death. Sometimes there's just pain and then we get to be with God. And that is the hope because we can still go through that pain knowing there is hope. And so I, I just love John 16, and it says this, I have told you all this 
so that you may have peace in, in him, Jesus. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so Jesus was the way when there was no way. And um, we see that as, as what Abraham and Sarah, they had Isaac, and we see with him how he pointed to Jesus as well. Um, but each bad situation, including the eternal situation of sin, God redeemed. And he is still in the redeeming business, so we still get to see his promises today. Um, he, can turn, he can use your situation and bring him glory and work it for your good. And, and the reason he works it for your good, even though we don't deserve it, right? Remember, we're, we don't deserve the good, but he still does this, is because it gives him glory. Then we can point to Jesus and say, look what God did for me. Not because of what I can do, but what God can do. And that's the whole point of whenever he does make the way for us. It says, look what God did, right? We just point to God and God. And that's, that's the whole point, is so that we can point to God. Um, We, he works things out for his glory and for our good. And so um, I've been at Waterhouse Church for three years. Yay. Woo. And before that, it was Westwood Christian Fellowship, and it was a long name, so we had to change it, you know. Um, <laughs> but when we first started at, at Westwood, now Waterhouse, um, I really felt like this was my church home. This was where I belonged. And... Um, so thank y'all for that. But um, but me and Brian, my husband, we live in Benbrook right now. And it's, it's like 20 minutes away. But like when you're 20 minutes away from someplace that your heart is at, like it's hard, right? Like it's hard when you're 20 minutes away from like the people that you care for and the people that you love so much. And so um, when we started, I was like, ooh, Brian, we need to move to Weatherford. <laughs> and uh, at that time, he was like, no, we can't do that. He was working at, he was working in Fort Worth. It wasn't like a major, um, like, um, having to drive, but it was just not the right time. And also, like, you know, money. You can't move somewhere if you don't have money. Um, <laughs> And so, um, so for me, like, kind of moving to Weatherford was kind of seemed like, okay, there's no way that's going to happen. Like, that sounds, that would be nice, but, like, so I, I prayed, you know, I was like, hey, God, like, when you want this to happen, anytime now, you know. And uh, so we, Brian had been working at Fort Worth, and then he, uh, just not too long after that, started working uh, remotely. And so I was like, oh, sweet, remote work, like, and it was, like, permanently remote, like, because, like, it was obviously during the pandemic, but they like were like, okay, it's going to be permanently remote, you know, like, don't worry about ever coming back in. And, and so, uh, so I was like, oh, hey, permanently remote, like, maybe we can move to Weatherford now. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and then, so, like, he really enjoyed his job for, like, the th first three months. The first three months were great. He was like, yes. So it was like, this is the job where he's going to be at forever. And then, like, his boss that he really liked uh, quit and went somewhere else. And he ended up with seven other bosses after that. And it was a really difficult time because there was a lot of toxicity, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of just like things that shouldn't have been said that were said and like causing trauma and just issues, anxiety. And so like he, 
his job became a pit. Like, it was like, this is, like, he didn't want to wake up in the morning. You know, it was just like, this is not where we wanted him to be, and, like, we definitely weren't going to be moving anytime soon if he didn't like his job. And so, um, so I started, so first, you know, my prayer was, hey, can we move to Weatherford, God? Like, that would be great. And then my prayer was like, hey, can, God, can you get Brian a job that it doesn't suck? That would be great. <laughs> and <laughs> and, um, and so it took a while. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like a yes, just, you know, one day prayer. I mean, it was a prayer, and it was a, lot of pro a long process. And I'm sure it was longer for Brian than it was for me because Brian was going through that pit, and I was just there like, okay, like, waiting. I'm, like, going to love you through the pit, like, you know, things like that. But it was, like, two years or so where he was just not happy at his job. And, uh, but last week, so last week was his first week at his new job with, <laughs> yes, praise the Lord, yes. Um, <laughs> and at his new job with his old boss that he really liked. Yeah, like, right? Like, you're like, whoa, mind blown. Like, God, like, made it work really cool. But also, like, through that time, God also, like, kind of taught Brian some stuff. He taught me some stuff. And, like, we were, like, we grew better together as, like, a couple. And, like, we grew better together just in our faith. And, like, Brian, for a long time, he wanted to climb the, you know, climb the ladder of, like, you know, the career ladder. Like, I get to the, be the biggest and best, right? Like, that's what his goal was. And then now he's like, I just want a job where I'm content and happy. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly where you want, I wanted him to be. I'd been praying for that. I wanted him to have a job where he was just happy doing what he was doing and didn't feel like he had to keep going forward and moving and getting bigger and better things. Because when you're happy just doing what you're doing, like things will come, but you at least are happy, right? Um, and so that was one of my prayers for him. And he, he got that. Like he he found that, and now he's like, I want to stay at this position for a while. I'm like, okay, so maybe we will get to move to Weatherford. Um, <laughs> but um, also, like, through this, it really um, showed me, oh, sorry, showed me uh, how, uh, how to sit with somebody in their pain. Um, as a ministry leader, that's really important, right, to sit with somebody in their pain, to be able to say, hey, it's not going to be like this forever. Like, even though it feels like it, right? When you're in the pit, you're like, it's going to be like this forever. And, but you have to keep reminding yourself it's not. And sometimes you have to have somebody else keep reminding you, hey, it's not going to be like this forever because your brain isn't there to say that to yourself. Um, but it was, it was a really hard time. Uh, but God used it for good. God used it to show us the right things. He even used it for us to be able to save up money and actually be able to afford a house in this market. Hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, maybe, yeah, some, some yays, some like, oh, uh, I know, right? Uh, but, but he used it as a preparing time, but he also used it as like just to be able to hopefully get us set up for the right foundation. And, um, and so today, actually, we're going to be looking at some houses, so that's exciting. We're not looking right away yet, but we're, like, it's, it's something that's happening even sooner than I thought, you know, and, like, God's already making that way happen, and, like, how cool is that? Like, he set us up, and I didn't ever know if that was going to happen. For a long time, it didn't feel like it, um, but we see, 
that God, so you might be in the pit today, right? You might be going through what Brian went through and have a really awful job situation. Um, that happens a lot. And you might also just be going through a lot of other stuff right now because the world is hard right now. Um, and so you might be in a pit and just know that you're never alone there, that God is faithful and just to do what he says he will do. And he says he will get you out of that pit. And um, we kind of see this with the prophets, right? The prophets were people who spoke to Israel and said, hey, like you're sinning. And people don't like it when you say, hey, you're sinning. Like they don't like that for some reason, I don't know. Um, and so the prophets were like people who people hated. People did not like the prophets. Uh, and they like, people like threw things at the prophets and like did awful things to the prophets and they were not people who were liked. They went through a lot of hard stuff. Even God told them to go through some hard stuff. Um, but we see how Micah, even though he's going through really difficult times, he's trusting in God. And so Micah 7, 7 through 9 says, As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me. And my God will certainly hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemies. For though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I will be patient as the Lord punishes me, for I have sinned against him. He was dealing with his consequences. I don't know what those that sin was, but he was dealing with the consequences. But after that, he will take up my case and give me justice for all I have suffered from my enemies. The Lord will bring me into the light, and I will see his righteousness. Um, so Micah go, went through some difficult times, and, but he knew that the Lord was his hope. And so he was like, I'm going to deal with whatever God throws at me because God is my light. And he didn't even... He didn't even know Jesus, right? Like, he didn't have Jesus. He just had what he knew. Um, and so s s maybe uh, you're somebody like me, and you're just sitting in somebody else's pit with them, right? Because sometimes we can't really go through what they're going through, but we're, like, adjacent to them because we love them. And, um, and I think, like, sometimes we have really good friends that mean well, but they say the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I kind of think of Job, right? Job's situation, he was like really, really down. He'd lost like all his family, he'd lost everything. And then his friends show up, right? And they're like, first they just sit with him. So that was good. Like his, his friends were good. Like they sat with him. And they just kind of were like, okay, like let's sit together because sometimes that's all you can do in a hard time. But then they start talking and that's where everything went wrong. But, um, <laughs> uh, but really like, we, as people, need to know how to sit with people in their pits. That's something that we're, like, we need to know, and we just need to be able to tell them it won't be like this forever. And sometimes when you're in that pit with somebody else, it feels like it's going to be like this forever for you, too. And so just know if you're in that pit with somebody else, you can tell them it's not going to be like this forever, and you can believe yourself because it's true. Um, and so um, just if you're in that pit with somebody else, Thank you for being in that pit with them. That means a lot. Um, but maybe, um, so if Christian could come up real quick. Um, so maybe right now you're in a pit and you need to remember that God is making a way, um, that he isn't through with you. I love that. I was glad that you did the uh, he's not through with me yet thing because in one version of that song, I didn't hear that. I was like, that's not there. I was like, Christian has to do that part, and he did, so that was good. Uh, the, you're not finished with me, because I was like, that's so important. 
Uh, but I'm so glad that we did that over and over because it's so true. Um, and so we needed to hear that today. Um, but if, if you need, and if the prayer team would come up too, I guess. Uh, but maybe you're in a pit and uh, you're just thinking God's through with me. Um, how can he make a way through this situation? And maybe you're just like, this is never going to get better. Uh, we have people here to pray with you and to sit in that pit with you because if that's what you need, you need encouragement. If you need prayer, we can do that for you. And we want to be able to like pray for you throughout this process because being in a pit is hard and it's even harder when you're alone. Um, and so, but then maybe you're sitting in, a, in someone else's pit with them and you don't really want to be a bad friend and but you also it's like this is hard and so maybe you just need somebody to come along with you and and sit with that in that pit with you and, and your friend or whoever you're going through with that um, and just help you remember that it, it's not gonna last forever um, and we'd also love to encourage you and pray for you in that way and then lastly and this is the biggest thing um, you might be here and you might have been like there's no way God loves me <laughs> There's no way that I can get out of this pit of just pain and suffering and knowing that thinking or thinking that God isn't there for you and never really accepting that God was there for you. Maybe you're in the eternal pit right now. Maybe you're, you're headed towards the eternal pit and you're like, I don't want to go there and I want to have this hope that you're talking about because you're like, Jesus is hope. Like, what is that? Um, and so maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your hope, as the way, um, to just to the Lord and um, we'd love to just walk you through that process um, because man the pit was hard for both me and Ryan but we couldn't have done it without God I don't know how people do it without God <laughs> because he's our only hope Amen. and so um kind of, if y'all want to come up for prayer, y'all can, but I'm just going to pray y'all through a salvation prayer. If today's your day that you want to say, yes, God, be the way when there was no way, I'm, I'm accepting you as the way. Um, just pray with me um, to, together, God. <clears throat> 